folks, here we are. The morning grin, the early afternoon grin, the early evening grin. It depends where you are in the world. All I know is it's early. <laughs> um, this is different. It feels different. As many of you know, I often live on the Eastern time zone anyway with my American pals, which is the stuff that I watch and, the, you know, the shit at the time I do these shows. But this feels different, you know? feels like I could fall asleep on the air, but I equally feel fresh. I don't know if I look fresh. I hope I do. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about Dynamite today. I have a little bit of a plan of what, um, of how I would kind of like this to play out. Now, as we know, around here, we let it play out. But I do have like a little kind of outline of saying. So my day's a little bit different today. A lot of you know, Thursday, oftentimes, I'm, uh, you know, I'm out of the ball game a lot of it. Today, here's what I know. We're going to review AEW Dynamite now. That's the thing that's happening now. That's why you've clicked on the video called AEW Dynamite Review. I know I'm really letting the secrets out here early. That's the intention. All right. Then tonight around 6.30 Eastern time, old Bobby and I, young Bobber, um, he and I are going to preview, predict, talk WrestleMania backlash. Okay. That is the intention. Now, because I have a little time here in this kind of window, I believe what we might do around here is we do the Dynamite Review for the next hour, and then in a throwback to the glory days of the world-famous Distraction Podcast, we head to latenightgrin.com and we do a little post-show where I can go more Q&A format. I don't know if you guys are into that. I appreciate it. There's almost of you here at this time. That really is incredible. Really do appreciate it. But that's my kind of my plan here, my outline. Um, let me tweet this link gimmick. But um, I think that's what we might do. So I may be able to spend here this next couple of hours just grinning, talking shop, talking about professional wrestling, the great art form we all love so much. Um, and we have much to discuss. It's 10 a.m. indeed. Uh, Meech says, kid is sick, so I have not been able to harass Joe, hurling like a drunk on a bed. My God. Well, I hope your kid, you know, gets better, Meech. I mean, I, I, it kind of feels like I shouldn't say that based on the fact that you intended to harass me, but I take it as performance art as I do most things. So send in love, pal. Um, is Tony Khan being spiteful for his burial and impact? Maybe. I don't think so, but we'll, we'll get into I want to kind of do... Um, like a straightforward review because we didn't do one last night on the channel. And then, to, uh, you know, afterwards on the post show, we'll do like Q and a, like we do with a preview. Uh, so that's, that's what my intention is putting in. we doing this for the next couple of hours. If you, you know, in like this time slot pop, it's good for me. If you do not, because it is 10 in the morning, West coast, God forbid. Am I still coming through? Okay. Connection's been weird. Um, Okay, tell me if you can still hear me and see me. It's not you, you know, the internet's not used to working this early. By that I mean 3 p.m. <laughs> and says it makes work go quicker. Wow. Alan says, I've got a few hours to kill until I have to go and watch Rangers get to the Europa League final. Let's grin. Oh, how? That fucking rules. Um, I actually, there was talk, I was going to go to, um, I think Spurs are playing Rangers in like the, in a friendly this summer, and I was invited. Said no, but still thought it was worth bringing up. Um, good luck, Alan. Have a good day. I hope we get you through this next couple of hours. 
It appears you can hear me. It appears you can see me. Let's get to Dynamite. As I said, I'll focus more on the chat on the Patreon show. I want to give the paywall, you know, some love. Um, but, you know, we'll try and do like a formal review here. We have a super grin. Folks, you can send a super grin at streamlabs.com slash late night grin. If you have a very specific question or compliment or criticism, ideally the, the, uh, the first one or the second one, I guess, in that case, you can send it over there. I will try. If it's saying there's like a real question in the chat, I will try and pull it up anyway because you know, I'm not an asshole. But if you'd like to support the show, streamlabs.com slash late night grin. JJ sends it. He says, oh, how? Did it all caps. That's why I went through the volume. Well, you know, I didn't wake anyone up. Happy to see Impact Wrestlers get a good showcase. Surprise Hangman cut a heelish promo, but I like it. Just watched King of the Ring 93, and it was Brett versus Mr. Perfect. Two baby faces. Perfect cut a heel promo just before the match, and afterwards they shook hands. That was certainly an interesting direction. I can't wait to discuss the nuances of that and what that means moving forward. Um, very intriguing. I agree with you. Someone had to do it. That's a good example, Perfect and Brett. I think a lot of us thought Punk would do it. Punk is wrestling John Silver in Long Island next week. He still may do it. But um, interesting direction to take. Caught me off guard. We'll get to that very, very shortly. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go for this show in order. I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you some sort of unnecessary rating regarding that opinion. Whether it be out of 10, whether it be a star rating, whether it be a you know six out of eight grins, whatever I say. I'm then going to tell you the Oracle of Wrestling star rating for this match. They are controversial. He is the Oracle of Wrestling. Then I will tell you the cage match rating before asking you for your own rating. That's what we're going to do. We have some matches here to talk about. Let's get straight into it. And by that, I mean this wait six minutes and then start talking about the show. Jeff Hardy, Bobby Fish, the Owen Hart Foundation qualifying match. I think a lot of you know that I had some concerns about this match. And there was moments that I think encapsulated my concerns. Um, you know, there was certain elements to this that I think the stuff I discussed was kind of prevalent. Jeff, bless him. The way he hits the ropes now, it, it tells a tale in itself. But he's so over that I I think it's bizarrely effective how kind of naturally sympathetic he remains. He's always been so capable of selling and getting the people into it. And God bless him. When, he had, when Bobby had that knee bar at the end, the place like came up to get Bobby to, to get Jeff to the ropes, which was hilarious. Um, I would not describe this as a, as a good match. I thought it was better than I expected. I thought it was two pros having a really solid match that the, the live crowd enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think it over-delivered on what my expectations were. If you thought it was going to be, like, really good, then you get what you get, I suppose. Um, but I kind of feared it would be a disaster. So, you know, you get what you get, I suppose. I, personally would be in the famed uh, Lexi all-caps range of two and three quarters. Meanwhile, in Gotham, the famed Oracle of Wrestling, who has <laughs> popped Jeremy Lambert and I very much with his own ratings, is two and a quarter. Meanwhile, <laughs> while I do this, chat, put your rating out of 10 for the match. I'm intrigued. Because the rating on cage match was hilarious, considering a conversation I had yesterday. Um, no run-ins was good. Bobby Fish is older than Jeff Hardy is an incredible stat that is like somehow true. 
That is fucking wild. Oh my goodness. Five, six, four. There's a, there's, the range is four to six, it appears. Four and a quarter. <laughs> I'm pumped. I wonder if Dave will, will rate it. I know he's like three and a half seats before. On cage match, it has a 5.83. I set my over underline at six. I actually would probably say, obviously, I mean, based on my rating, you know that I think that's, that's about fair, you know? Um, I thought Jeff tried his best. I thought Bobby looked pretty good out there. I have very few concerns, to be honest with you guys, about Jeff Darby Allen. Beyond that, I don't really know what you do with Jeff as a singles. I think they have to be a team. But if it's a chance to do the Darby Allen match, it's a chance to do the Darby Allen match. Um, I think there's a lot of, in the chat, I see a lot of talk about, you know, Jeff keeping to the sink, to the tags. And it's like, I get it. I don't disagree. But, I mean, Matt isn't exactly, uh, he isn't exactly the Ricky Morton to his Robert Gibson in that regard. Um, what is Darby and Jeff going to look like? Structure-wise, I think it will be interesting because it's two guys that really thrive on just being kind of a crash test dummy. I mean, Jeff much less so now, but he's still a guy who, who takes most of the heat and, you know, gets, um, gets beaten up for the majority of the match. You don't expect Derby to do that. It feels to me like, um, you know, this is probably going to be one of those deals where both guys just build to crazy bumps and rotate. And, you know, I think it'll be a spectacle. The live crowd will be super, super into it. Um, that's going to need to be key for a lot of Jeff's matches that the crowd's into it. I thought it was a competent, fine television match. I don't think, I think it was Ant who said, I don't think he's wrong in saying that, like, you know, you had this kind of a higher standard generally for Dynamite openers. Um, but this match needed a fresh crowd more than any other. So if you're going to book it, this is the right place for it. I don't really think they should have booked it. And there's a lot, you know, and there's guys that can be more dynamic on the bump and feed for a Jeff Hardy than a Bobby Fish. But I thought, you know, they did the best they could with what they had. And I thought it was a fine match in all seriousness. Um, I'm not at like emergency stations with Jeff in this regard. I, I, I think he looked okay here. Beyond the obvious stuff we've already discussed. All right. Seriously, do matches really need to be much better than that? I think that discussion needs to be had. Um, well, it depends. I mean, in this spot, no. But, like, generally, in a, in, when you're, ever, you're talking about pushing guys and featuring guys, you'd like them to be better. You'd like Darby and Jeff to be better than this, right? If it's going to be, like, a big match on the show. Um I don't know. It depends what you're getting on the commercial side. If Jeff's selling like more t-shirts than anyone else and spiking the ratings better than anyone else, then no, nah, fuck it. He can just freestyle matches. I don't care. I don't know if he's doing those things. I don't know if he is or isn't, but it depends on the, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. It's like you can sacrifice certain, you know, critical elements if the commercial side makes it worthwhile. I do not know if Jeff is or isn't doing that. Be clear. I don't, I genuinely don't know, but Jeff's super over. People like seeing him. So hopefully the, you know, the, the quarter hour maintained and people like seeing Jeff. I think there is an element with Jeff of like, he needs to look sharp out there because otherwise people look at him and say, oh man, that's a bummer. He's slowed down. I mean, I, I'm not a Jeff Hardy fan necessarily, but like even I have that when like, you know, when he goes up for the Swanton and like poor Jeff has to like fucking, he has to like set himself on the middle, scrap up and get up. And it's like, 
it, even me, it's a little bit striking of like how much he's slowed down. That's all. I, I don't think it's, um, you know, again, I want to stress, I hope this match was fine. So I, I really don't have any problem with this necessarily. Leland says, I'd be fine with the majority of TV matches looking like this. It makes the big matches pop bigger. That's I, I mean, that's a fair argument. And, and that's the key too is like, when we say this match was fine, this is important. It was, they were trying to have a fight. They wasn't trying to go out there and have like a match of the year and it failed. They just were going out to have a very solid television match. I mean, they did that. So there you go. All right. Let me pull up the uh, live gimmick here. I will use 411. Shout out to them. Or not. I don't know. Um, all right. Good brother over there. Go a bit of C. God bless. We had this situation with the Bucks post match. Um, I do not know if they intended for this to get, like, a bigger reaction than it did. It got a reaction. I don't know if they, like, supposed, this was supposed to be, like, this great... I mean, Jim Ross was talking about, like, being the, the generational... It's like, well, I suppose to a lot of the audience, this is a novel thing, but I, to me, as someone that's seen them wrestle, it's a little bit... It's like, if it, it feels silly to me. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I saw them do this before. I've done this multiple times. It's good. I like it, but I, I don't know. I, um... It was. I assume they they may do this at double or nothing. Honestly, they're going to do this at some point soon. They can kind of, as we saw with the FTR thing, the Bucks, you know, match kind of just showed up. Like, they did like a week build, two week build, and boom, it was there. They did it with the Hardys. I have no concerns about the Young Bucks having a good match with the Hardys. Um, that's just me. Do I think it will be a match of the year? No. Do I think they have a good match with the Hardys? Absolutely, I do. I have no concerns about the Bucks or FTR having a good match with the Hardys. So. I look forward to it, even if it's a little weird for me in the sense that I feel like maybe Reese is right and a lot of people just didn't, has never seen, you know, these to wrestle. But, um, yeah, Neil says, I think the reaction will be bigger, but the crowd are starting to realise Hardy's a past prime now. Perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, I don't have, I'm not sure where it was. Maybe audience honesty was bigger, I, I, um, I do not know. What percentage of the audience has seen Bucks Hardys? I haven't, but I'm probably in the minority. I don't think you're in the minority, Road Prime, honestly. I, I think you're actually more likely in the majority. It's just for me personally, it's a weird deal where it's like, well, you know, yeah, it was a great generational clash when they did it multiple times in a decade. Like, uh, that's just me. Um, you know, Elliot mentions they did the big, in Ring of Honor, they did the big deal in 2017. Five years. Like, it's a long time, man. That was then. They did a nostalgia in WWE in 2017, you know? Um, I don't, Chops, I don't know. Bro, please don't do this. I can't be doing this. Like, I'm not trying to say they don't care about Jeff. I didn't say they didn't want to see it. I just said they didn't go crazy for it. Please chill. It's 10 a.m. in the United States for America. I live on that time zone, all right? I had nothing to eat. I've just opened my first Pepsi Max. I ain't trying to get in an argument about if Jeff Hardy's over or not. I thought the match was fine. I'm just saying, very simply, they did not go crazy for this. Me personally, let me stress again, personally, I don't find it that exciting because I've seen these two teams wrestle. That's all. Ain't that deep. All right. Let's move forward. Okay. All right. Big shout out. They fit in the Blackpool Combat Club um, clip. From the the road to, they got it on the show. They did like they did what I said they could do. You kind of um, take the the front of it, take the back of it, combine them. You have a minute video package. It works. It gets over. Um, I thought this was a really smart way to add some kind of depth to the presentation. 
And I'm a big fan of just finding some space for these Road 2 things. They work very hard on doing for YouTube. And I know everyone gets mad. It should be on TV. It's on YouTube. You can find a place for this. You do one minute of it. It doesn't need to be the whole thing. It worked. So I thought that was a good, uh, a good deal. I thought they got the, the gist of it pretty neatly. And, um, okay, to the match. Andrade Family Office, Blackpool Combat Club. I did that genuinely, and I actually was legitimately fired up that it made its way on TV. Um, Chops, you're good. It's just like sometimes, here's the thing, you guys, in all seriousness, you guys are watching me at 10 in the morning, so I've got nothing but love for all of you because I appreciate it. There's a lot of options. But, like, sometimes the, when I'm doing a solo show, I can't read your guys' tone. So it's difficult sometimes. So while I know you didn't mean that as like, especially now I know, you didn't mean that as like taking a dig at me, I ain't trying to argue with anyone. So it isn't on you. It's um, it's just sometimes the tone is hard to read. And when I'm doing a solo show, I'm trying to include the chat and it gets, you know, it's my bad. Um, okay. Andrade Family Office, Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I liked the, the Butcher and the Blade, especially jumping the Blackpool Combat Club immediately pre-match rather than waiting for them to do it to them like they do every single week. The way it was a nice touch. The blade started bleeding within like 90 seconds of this match, which was fucking hilarious. Um, it was nice to see Angelico get in there and do some kind of like weird, you know, chain wrestling and uh, with, with Danielson in particular. So there were some nice things here. It was nothing extensive. They got a little bit of heat on you in the break. It was a good match. I liked it. I love the new finish thing they're doing where, um, you know, all three dudes just fucking pair up and kick the shit out of one dude. Looks incredible visually. Regal on commentary. The big thing with this is what are they doing at Double or Nothing? You is not going to be around, as someone pointed out to me in the chat yesterday. You is going to be in Best of Super Juniors. But uh, this remains one of my favorite things on the show in terms of what it is and its presentation. I am very, very interested, though, where we're going in terms of the, the pay-per-view. I see Elliot's talking about the uh, the tag titles, and that feels very much in play, especially with you out of the, you know, out of the game for the pay-per-view. It'll be really, really interesting to see where they go. As for the match, I liked it quite a bit. Um, chat, feel free to put your rating out of 10. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's it's more of a continuation but you know that's just a piece of business you don't have to rate it too strictly as a match the oracle of wrestling gave it a healthy three and a quarter stars um which god bless him he's actually pretty generous the rest of the show other than one particular match of course um seven is where i'd be on this simply because while it may not be a three and a half star match i think it was very effective for what it was supposed to be cage match man's best friend has it a 6.57? I think everyone liked this. Everyone likes this act. Everyone likes, you know, the kind of general idea. I think, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be pivotal in terms of figuring out what they actually, um, what they're actually doing long term. There's a bunch of different groups and factions and all that good stuff in terms of what they can do. So it will be interesting. You is getting over like more every week. It feels like, which is insane because. He's, you know, he's kind of been been rolling here for a while. Um, but, yeah, I, I like everything with this. I'm intrigued as to where it is going. Okay. Speaking of the tag titles, Jurassic Express, um, they had a segment here with Team Taz. 
They set up for next week, Ricky and Jungle Boy for the FTW title. Um, this is very interesting in terms of placement because if we assume that is, so that's the 12th, that's announced, right? I'll show you the 11th. Um, so that's the 11th. And if we assume that the double or nothing match isn't the Team Taz one, because it seems like they want to go back to Keith and Swerve, which we can get to later. So let's just say they do it at the earliest possible follow-up. They do it on the 18th, right? They do next week FTW 18th tag title match. It's like you're then looking at one dynamite between then and the pay-per-view. I, I feel like we could be in a very simple situation of just the Blackpool Combat Club comes out and goes face-to-face with, with um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus after they win the belts. Them doing this, to me, feels like Ricky's going to beat Jungle Boy and then they'll lose the tag match and you can kind of 50-50 him, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it does make it interesting from a pay-per-view perspective. Again, we are in the final stretch here in terms of build. And, you know, I, I think... Um, I think that's awful interesting. I would like these belts to have a little bit more juice here in, in terms of pay-per-view builds, in terms of excitement. Um, I don't know if they're going to get that on this cycle. I just think Blackpool Combat Club get the belts. It'd probably be best for the division. Um, <laughs> you don't have heat with me, Chops. I'm sorry, bro. That was, that was a little much. I just, you know, it's early. You know. You're good, man. Don't worry about it. Uh, Croaky Boy says... Hey, Joe, missed the last few shows. What's your picks for the last spot in both Owen tournaments? Croaky Boy, thanks for the super grin. I'll circle back to that uh, when we get to the announcements, but greatly appreciate it. It's a great question. I even want to do even more talk about it on the Patreon show um, because I think it's a really, really interesting deal. But I'll give you, like, my picks, and then we'll kind of go more deep. But thank you for the super grin. Folks, you can do the same streamlabs.com slash late night grin. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with the with you chops about Blackpool Combat Club with the belts. It feels like the belts need like, it feels like they, they need something to bring them back where they belong. You know, when the Bucks had the belts, I, they truly felt like, and this to me is always the target when you talk about, um, you know, the tag team titles. To me, the, the goal is always, you want it to feel like the world, you want them to feel like the world title, but in their own, medium genre of wrestling and with the young bucks i think they actually were like genuinely near that level like they felt huge to me um and i think that comes to a head with the classic cage match against the lucha bros but like the lucha bros reign was steady one blow away i think they struggled to keep them on tv in a very like compelling way they just kind of wrestled the contenders which is fine following up with such a similar reign I think has hurt the belt some. Um, I, I, I've said it before, and I say, and this is not me trying to be, you know, spiteful about them. I don't think they should have won these belts. I really don't. I'd have saved Jungle Boy's first title win for the TNT. That's just me. Um, I would Lucha Bros, you know, made the most of what they had. I don't think they had a great, like, run or anything. But to me, when the belt started to fall a little bit, I'd have tried to bring them straight back where they need to be with an FTR, whoever it may be. That's why I wanted FTR to win them last fall. In hindsight, it was better they didn't because they're a babyface team now. But I do feel um, Blackpool Combat Club is a really good remedy for this, you know, these, these belts and kind of their, they're not like, you know, they've not been ruined or anything because it's not like they're, they're beating the shit out of the champs on TV, but they aren't main, they don't feel like the main event prizes they did a year ago, basically. So there you go. All right. 
Um, yeah, the Phoenix injury definitely hurt at the moment, which is obviously, you know, you can't help those. That's just that's just terrible luck. I like the segment, though. I said it to you guys recently. I think Ricky Starks has really leveled up in terms of his whole presentation. Um, he just, he feels like, like he's truly, I mean, I think he's always had immense talent, but he truly feels like he's figuring it out and piecing it together in a way that's kind of, that's kind of um, striking. On a stacked roster, it feels like he's kind of up next in terms of guys that need to be main eventers. Um, my bad, I should silent my phone and be a professional rather than going off pit in the chat. Um, okay. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland did a promo. Apparently that was next, according to 4 Mania. I'll take the word for it. Um, I'm here to make a very serious statement about wrestling catchphrases and names. I respect and support any tag team of singles wrestlers that decides they would like to combine catchphrases, brands, so on and so forth. However, all good things have flaws. And I'm here to say that I'm taking a public stance right now that Swerve in our glory is one of the most absurd, wretched, filth usages of the combined branding I have ever heard in all my life. When Keith began to say it, I actively went like this in my chair in fear he indeed said it. Swerve in our glory. That does not make any sense. It's wrong. It is immoral. It is reprehensible. And Keith Lee, as a expert in vocabulary and such, I don't have the words to have another, I just said in such instead, I would like to reconsider. I'd like to go back to the drawing board. I think you can do better, okay? There's a, there's a world in which this works. But if it's just the thing that people on Twitter were saying, don't do it, Keith. Don't do it, all right? You can do better than that. In all seriousness, I actually love this act. Um, I love, like, I think Swerve's a much better heel. But there's something, like, charming about him in, like, the little brother role, <laughs> which pops me as a baby face here. I think in the end, he should actually turn on Keith and be a really, like, a really horrible vicious spiteful heel but um i actually like their dynamic together i don't think this promo was the best um encapsulation of it all bits aside that line is actually bad but you know i'm obviously i don't care obviously um yeah it's, it's interesting i i like this dynamic but i completely get like i completely get the the general read of like well they should both be singles guys fair Probably true. But for while it is, I I do enjoy them as a team. Just you can't combine it. Well, you can't combine all catchphrases, right? Some work. Do you remember that time when the Fed, like every team in their promotion was like team and it was just two words combined? Like Bobby and I would be like team Brit hat, you know, or like filth. Anyway, Wardlow was here. This was incredible. So they did the um they basically did the full Goldberg this week with Wardlow. The chant is very much reminiscent of it. But here, uh, my God, look at Hester says, I think Swerve in Our Glory is fine in a vacuum, but maybe it's just WWE brain lit player. Maybe, man. They may have got you. You may have been poisoned. Stanford, Connecticut, maybe. So, very, you know, rather than having MJF lead into the entrance, they did something different this week where they wanted him to introduce Morrissey. So, 
they took the backstage shot and the security guards walking him. And the place immediately came up, and it's like, oh, they've you, like it sounds dumb to say they've got something here because we've known that for like a fucking year, but there's levels to it. And like when this segment ended, it genuinely felt like the hottest thing in the whole promotion. Felt like one of the hottest things in all of wrestling, honestly. Which is, as much as I don't want to understate Wardlow's part in it, is a credit to MJF's work here, who has been remarkable, truly remarkable. So Wardlow has this incredible presentation we've talked about, and it's even better this week because he's coming from, from backstage and it looks great. MJF came out and introduced Morrissey. And, like, here's the thing. You know, we've done this bit a million times. W. Morrissey is a really interesting um, talent in terms of where he fits in the modern wrestling landscape. A lot of analysts and kind of, you know... Uh, voices talk they do this phrase and we've all been guilty of it but they use this phrase right where they go well looks like star and i have often said i don't know what that means from an impact wrestling point of view because the audience that watches impact wrestling isn't the audience that will be affected by you i or anyone in between looking like a star they're you know they're deep in and they watch that product regardless and you know what they really want is Good wrestling or good promos. Morrissey has done both, uh, you know, mixed um, consistency. What makes it interesting, though, is that in this setting, <laughs> him looking like, um, you know, uh, looking like a star and all that good stuff is actually a genuine benefit to him because the, you know, the scope of the, of the event and the scenario and the setting is so gr- much more grand that like genuinely he has a chance a more of a chance of getting over with this audience and to be fair he got over the impact live crowds i'm not saying he didn't but like it it's a big deal he looked incredible and it's it, it's more impressive visually in this kind of setting it's not me even dunking on impact it's just like it is what it is right it's just different he looked great i think he's um my god john says he thought he looked sure owned there you go um his work is he restrains himself in a very WWE fashion that has frustrated me at times in his impact run. I've always worked here because they didn't go too long. But he looked good. His stuff doesn't look bad or anything. And he, you know, he was solid. More, uh, Wardlow gave him most of the match, which I thought was very generous. And to his credit, Morrissey was up to it and he kept the people. I liked him, you know, kind of poking fun at the uh the Enzo chance, which was a really wild moment. They both sides trying that at the exact same time, it felt like. It was like it was brewing. Um, but I thought he looked good, genuinely. I, I, I don't know a lot about the W. Morrissey big cast story, but I know he went through some pretty dark times, so good for him. He looked good here. He didn't look like, you know, didn't belong. He certainly did. Um, what his role is in an AEW long term, I don't know if there is one, but he definitely isn't someone that if they sign him, I'll be like, oh, my God, you know, he looked good. Um Wardlow, whoever agented this, was very smart. You give Morrissey most of the match knowing that, A, he's an outside guy that's not treating him like shit. B, he's only going to take one powerbomb because it takes a lot to get a seven-foot or whatever he actually is, probably like 6'8", up for a powerbomb. So you have to give him enough in that first two, you know, two-thirds to, um, you know, to kind of overcome that from a, uh, a perception point of view. 
And he did that. But what you give Wardlow is you give him the one thing that will really stick with people, which was the moonsault. The moonsault was absurd. When he was setting up for it, it was like, oh my God, he's going to do a moonsault. Little did I know, of course, that he wasn't just going to do a moonsault. He was going to land on his goddamn feet. He like overshot. He's a freak athlete, man. He's, he is spectacular. Um, so he had that and he had the power bomb. The, the thing is with Morrissey is like, he's obviously so, he's lean. So you kind of like, you felt appreciate it. But you see Wardlow getting up that power bomb. Brother, there's a whole lot of motion that needs to go in such a thing at that height, huh? Like it was, he looked like it took an awful lot out of Wardlow. Um, it looked awesome on TV, but I'm sure it didn't feel too good in the <laughs> in the back. But he got him up for the one. That was all it needed. I thought this was a was a hit, but honestly, this was nothing compared to the post match we'll talk about in a second. I liked it. If I was doing like a cage match, I'd say it was a six. But again, more of an angle. Oracle was in the three and a quarter. My favorite chat. Where you at out of ten on this one? Wardlow and W Morrissey. Now we all agree the post match is a ten, but just for the match itself, I'm just intrigued on kind of the general read. We'll do cage match two. In the meantime. Um, a 5.2 over at Cadre. They only got five minutes and 32 seconds. Wow. That is interesting. Okay, we're kind of in the 5-6 ballpark. There's an 8 in there. God bless. Um, wonder if Wardlow gets booed next week. It's Long Island. That would be a really interesting wrinkle for sure. Very much so. Guys, okay, again, I, I, I appreciate the match obviously isn't, you know, it's where I think we're all in the same range. All right. Post-match, genuinely, and this may sound like hyperbole, but I believe it. I genuinely think this is one of the best angles they've ever done. Um, I don't know if it was the way they shot it, the way it was produced, the way he, he executed it, the way the poor local guys executed it. Like, this was incredible. You know, the, you had the deal where all the security comes out, the initial guys come out, Mordlow bumps them, and then the whole fucking like army comes out. And in theory, this should have looked like shit because you, you legitimately have Wardlow bumping like 20 guys. And unless you time it correctly, it's going to look bad, right? People are going to be waiting. Wardlow was moving with such like intensity and physicality that it appeared like there was only like two occasions where someone had to stop themselves for a half second before he fucking whacked them. <laughs> There was one poor dude that took a bump and landed on, like, someone else's head. It was fucking nuts, man. Like, and what was crazy about it was the people, like, you could, because they took just the hard cam, you could see the people, like, coming up. Like, the, fir the first five go in, and it was like, oh, shit. And then by the end of it, the place was fucking rocking, man. I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot. But the place was rocking, and it was just one of those great examples of what is this angle? Big muscular baby face kicks the shit out of many nameless faceless dudes place goes crazy the heat that mjf has built up is a huge part of that but like seriously man this was special like whoever's idea this was it was so simple and if you'd have laid it out to me i'd be like oh, whatever in execution it was like perfection amazing 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 segment um, action movie scene is a good description of it. Crazy video game. That those descriptions genuinely like they nail it. And here's what's, what's special is Melissa says it never gets old, and she's right. But 
what's really wild about it is we've seen Wardlow beat up so many different teams, right? We've seen him fling guys and do this and do that. And it's like, it is insane so that you can just up the ante and up the numbers and the reaction goes up with it. Like, great, great, great pro wrestling. This angle is one of the best things the promotion has ever pulled off. Um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, when they're going to do this. And like I had my concerns it wouldn't be what they wanted it to be if they did it before MJF was, like, the top heel. You could argue he is the top heel, but I mean, like, the champ. Um, I think at this point he is the top heel, actually, upon fault. But this shit is, like, like just hitting. It is red hot. And it's so, like, well done and organic. Man, they've got something special with Ward. Like, and we, we've talked about, like, I have certain things that we got to see and, you know, certain concerns that we have to overcome in terms of what he can do as, like, a the top guy. We don't know yet. I really have very little reason to doubt him, though. I kind of think you've got to trust Wardlow and assume he will he will kind of um, tick those boxes when the time comes. From a booking perspective, they couldn't do a better job, and it's the same on the execution front. So everyone's nailing it. This was probably the best thing on the show. I mean, I just said a minute ago, I genuinely think it's one of the best angles they've ever done. So there you go. Elsewhere, Tony Storm. Ruby Soho, Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter, they live in this kind of backstage area. I wish these segments were good, but they're kind of, they're okay. The Tony Storm thing is really, like, Ruby talked for Tony here. It, it, the only comparison I can make is, like, when Ray Jr. would talk for um, Cain Velasquez. And it's like, well, Tony can, like, I mean, it's not, it's not a language barrier. They just let Tony talk. I mean, unless Tony doesn't want to, in which case, that's fine. Not everyone wants to be a parent, but... It actively is strange to me the way she's like presented in these segments. She's not like a mysterious, silent, you know, like she's already talking them. There was one where she actively didn't say anything, I'm pretty sure. She didn't say anything in this one. Um, you know, and Ruby was like, Ruby was like, Tony can't wait to get her hands on you. And it's like, I mean, I guess. I just think. You know, why even do the segments if she doesn't want to be a promo? I, I don't know. It's just, maybe I'm overthinking. I think it's weird. Like, the way they present Tony is weird to me. But there was one, I the one that I just mentioned where Jamie talked the whole time and she was just like, boy, you know? I don't know. It's weird. They're so, like, cookie-cutter and bland and there's nothing to them. I think, in theory, they're, like, adding heat to the matches that are coming up. But, like, I don't think they are. I don't think anyone's, like, thinking anything about these segments, they're just, I don't know, they're really strange, and like, as Chop says, Ruby was introduced, like, it's, is it, do we think it's a case of, like, we'll get Ruby in these, and she can talk for, or on the behalf, I don't know, if Tony doesn't like doing promos, then God, I don't blame her, that's fine, it's, everyone's different, you have different strengths, but like, if so, you don't need a book in the same promo segment every week, right, so it's a weird deal, um, I just, I don't know what, like, they're actually achieving with this beyond, oh, this get them on TV. I mean, I saw Bobby, that piece of shit. Bobby was like, AEW has pulled off the novel concert again, Tony Storm on TV every week. And it's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I ain't trying to go fed bootlicker, but I don't think this is exactly the victory that would take, you piece of shit, Bob O'Neill. But, yeah, it's just me. They're not doing much for me, that's all. It was only a short segment. I'm not saying it was terrible. I just, conceptually, I don't know what they're trying to achieve with this. Hangman. Here we go. It's a big one. Hangman Page in-ring promo. Now, I thought this was going to be the first segment opposite Punk. Obviously, I did not know the time Punk wasn't there. 
and we've talked a lot about this feud, and I think we're all really, really excited by you know what this could be and what this looks like. I did not expect at all um, this direction from day one. My guess was if we got this side of Hangman, it would be after there was some evidence that Punk was up to something. Maybe what he did next week against John Silver would bring this side out. Instead, Hangman led with it following a completely pure white meat babyface promo from Punk. It was not a heel turn, obviously. We all know this was not a heel turn. I think everyone in the chat knows that. I know that. Even Bob knows that. It was not a heel turn. But it was a promo that was daring the audience to kind of not take Punk's side, but it was challenging them almost. You know, he was directly pointing out fans and almost daring them to back CM Punk. Certain fans. If you're a Hangman fan, he didn't like fucking, you know, he didn't tell you to go fuck yourself. He just, he led in that direction. Um, and there was that moment in particular where in the middle there, you know, he, he said so he kind of put a bow on his like Punk dismissal. And the plays came up with CM Punk chance, and he's like, that was you have to expect that, right? Like, you kind of encourage CM Punk fans to pop their chest and say, no, fuck that, which is really interesting. Um, I am not the best voice in terms of capturing what this character, uh, you know, where this character is going. A lot of people do a much, much better vibe of that than I do. I've never been the best at that. You can read this two ways, right? Either A, Hangman is more cocksure than ever, more confident than ever, He's got rid of those doubts that Adam Colfew kind of told that story. He now feels like he is the guy and he's not even not even questioning whether or not he can hang the CM Punk. He thinks he's going to run through CM Punk. That's A. B is, this is very much a, a you know kind of defensive mechanism because he is very much nervous about wrestling CM Punk. I don't know which story they're going to tell. I don't mind. I think they're both very compelling. Um what makes it really interesting, though, and we'll get into this more when you guys when I do Q and A over on Patreon. But what's really interesting about this is I don't know if this makes Punk turning more or less likely. Bob, I'll go back to Bob here because this actually intrigued me. Bob said he thinks there's a chance that Hangman actually turns heel and Punk wins the belt in Chicago, and my initial reaction was like, no, they're not doing that. But I, I like slowly. Fallback, and I was like, I don't think that's what they're doing, but it fucking rules that in one segment they've convinced me that's like not insane, you know. I, I personally, I'm so intrigued by this, and I don't really have the answers, so I do apologise. But we're in a we're in a situation here where I think either guy can win at the pay per view, either guy could change character, change direction, and I think it could be compelling. Um, my guess, as of right now, right now, my guess is that Punk just wins. That's my guess right now. Now, hold up. Hold the phone. That's a guess. Because I believe the story then you can tell with Hangman is he thought he was, he was convinced he was at the mountaintop a step too early. You know? That's my guess. Because when you do this promo, you take a very clear stance booking-wise of, like, what are you going to do? Because if Hangman just beats Punk, as he says, and he just fucking mows him over, right? He runs for him. 
It's like, where where do you go then from a current perspective? Like, he's the man and he knows it. How do you do that as a baby face? So I wonder if what they'll do instead is the idea is that, like, he kind of bites off more than he can chew in some regard. I don't know. I genuinely, genuinely do not know whatsoever what this looks like. Um, I can't wait. I think this is the biggest pay-per-view main event they've ever had. Honestly, I think so by a distance too. I think this is going to have an electric atmosphere. I think the pay-per-view is obviously going to be stacked, but I hope they're still really rocking and rolling when it's on the main event starts. Um, I don't disagree with the chat, uh, you know, about about Punk turning the match. They're saying that I've been kind of bullish on for a while. I just think it's really interesting in terms of if you go too far in this direction, when Punk does like the low blow, the crowd will actually kind of fuck with it. That's what you have to be careful with this balance, you know? Because if Hangman's a dick for the next three weeks and Punk cheats to win, there will absolutely be that kind of response of, oh, well, you get what you get. So it would just be, it's a balancing act. I can't wait to see what they do. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I trust very much Punk's creative instincts. Um, and Hangman hasn't missed in the ring. So great, great promo. Really interesting direction. Caught me way off guard, threw me off. Big thumbs up. Okay. Takeshita is wrestling on Rampage. You know, against Jay Lethal. We had a little bit of back and forth. We had a video package uh, on Takeshita, and then we, we did the promo with, with Lethal, and that was fine. Um, and there was a Joe promo, and it might have been later, I think, actually. Okay. Punk Hill turn has to be dramatic. He's got his own really nasty. I agree. Silver and Punk will be a tell. Will it just? That will be really interesting. Absolutely. Punk has already built up kind of being a heel in that territory. Territory. And he's in John Silver. Hmm. Intriguing. Okay. Santana versus Chris Jericho. I really, really like this one. Um, I was very encouraged when my friend, the Oracle of Wrestling, gave it a three and a half star grin. Uh, because I was startled, let me tell you, startled to find out the over in, ca- in cage match, man's best friend, is at a 5.32. I actually thought the match kind of ruled. I thought Santana looked awesome. Um, yes, the wizard thing is amazing. I thought Santana looked awesome. I really thought it was in creative structure, the way that they did, like the big pre-match shine for Santana, where he was just, he was doing what you what you believe that character would in this scenario. He was beating the shit out of Jericho with anger and vengeance. And then as a cutoff, they used the steps. And I thought that was like really a creative way to go into the break and like set up Jericho's heat segment without cutting off, uh, cutting out Santana's legs from under him. So I thought that was very creative. I thought some of the near falls late were good. The finish was a little kind of cookie cutter after doing all that interference. I wanted to a little bit more creative than just the low blow Judas effect. Um, but, I thought it was a really strong match. Chat, I'm intrigued where you're at on this. Um, are you on, you know, if you're on cage matches side or or me? But I um I really liked it. I thought Santana looked great. And then we'll get to the post match, which was interesting purely from a booking perspective. Very much intrigued. We've got some sevens here in the chat, which is probably where I would be in that ballpark, yeah. My God, two and a quarter. Esther says, I fucking love the Jericho appreciation stuff. Eight on the match. There you go. People's going to like this mostly. A couple lower, a couple lower but mostly people's going to like it. Okay. 
Now, the post-match was really interesting because they did the heel attack. And um, the crowd came up with Eddie Chance, which is what you want, right? You want the, you want to basically make them hope for saying that they kind of deep down know they're not going to get. And, and that's like actual good heat in a vacuum. The problem is we are getting dangerously close to like, are these baby faces dumb territory, you know? Right now, I'm fine with it because they've they've actually tackled on air that they're out of, you know, they're outnumbered. And the idea is that Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie are just like, <clears throat> they're fucking stubborn, you know? Like Jericho stressed them many times, you cannot fight us. There's three of you, there's five of us. And their response is pretty consistent. I mean, we don't care. We're, we're going to fight. You know, we're going to keep showing up until we get what we, we need to get. Um, so I'm fine with it. You are. You need to probably do the angle next week or the week after in terms of who they're going to get him back up, though. Like, you can't. You can only do heat so many times before people just go, "Oh, fuck this." I think it works. These characters for the reasons I laid out. They're stubborn, you know, and they they're just going to keep fighting. They're going to go and ask for anyone's help. You probably need to to make a move on that regard. Um, that's just me. And by that I mean this was fine. I wouldn't do it next week. That makes sense. Um, because. I think you just you have to be careful with that stuff. Okay. But I liked it a lot. Um, I really think a lot of Santana is a singles. I've said this before. Right? I think there's something there. Okay. Samoa Joe promo. Joe looks... I'm, I, listen, folks, I know I'm by... I think Joe just looks really fucking good. He looks, he looks like he's got healthier just in the month he's been in AEW. He looks good. Good for Samoa Joe. Can't relate. Clearly, as you can see right now, but he looks good. The Gun Club is doing something to the acclaim, which I believe is a rib on me. Speaking of ribs, the Varsity Blondes are out here. And this was something, wasn't it? This was quite the ordeal. Um, the Varsity Blondes are one of the most interesting, extrav extravagant, uh, daring experiments in AEW. No one seems to like them. But I don't actually know if they're supposed to be liked. Because if you like if, if you wanted to kind of um how do I put this? The way this segment was framed, it works a lot better if you like the varsity blondes. But if you were booking for an act that people like, you would not have had them be such great big fucking losers as they were in this. I mean, they literally Pillman stood there like this with his hands up like he was fucking fighting Jack Johnson. He looked around and said, oh, they're not going to fight us and put his hands out and got kicked in the face like a fucking loser. I couldn't believe it. Extraordinary, extraordinary grins. Um... I don't, I, I, it feels like a rib. I, I, I can't explain it. Um, I thought the segment sucked, to be totally honest with you. Julia is really swinging for the fences, and I appreciate that and respect it, and she's doing a really good job, especially for her like, lack of experience. Um, but good Lord, man. We basically left the segment in ultimately the same place, you know, that we, we started. I don't know... I, I don't know what we're doing with this thing. I think it sucks. <laughs> I'll be honest with you guys, I think it sucks. And I kind of, you know, like I don't want to point fingers at Malachi Black. There's certain things he said that concern me greatly. 
about his ideal professional wrestling presentation on where he wants his character to go, and I kind of let it play out. I don't know what he thinks of this stuff, but if he thinks it's good, then, well, you get what you get. Um, this seems like the truth. The crowd, the fans are supposed to cheer for the Julia turn, but, like, in itself, that is, like, flawed because while I agree that was the intention, it's a heel, hack, a heel act corrupting a 20-year-old cheerleader. And the fact that the crowd was like, House of Black, it's like, what the fuck? And then when the baby faces make the save, it cuts their dick off too because it's like, well, I don't want Death Triangle here. I want Julia to punch Brian Pillman. It's a mess. I don't know what they're doing, genuinely. And like, in a vacuum, I don't think this is like a terrible scene. My dad did. My dad said it was one of the worst things he's ever seen on television, which was a lie. Um, I mean, it was a terrible scene in vacuum, but like, when you add the context that this they did the mist five months ago, it's like, Come on, lads. Let's get a move on. Ah, Duke says, next week is Long Island where this all started, so maybe that's something. Um, I don't know. It's just... The other thing, too, is... I don't want to dwell on this too much. It's not that big of a deal, but, like, it isn't, like, actually that... The way they're doing this slow build, right, you would think that, like, the end game is, like, a massive deal. Like, oh my God, my favorite tag team is in pieces. And Julia Hart, everyone's favorite, um, you know, cheerleading wrestler is going to be corrupted. But it's like most of the interest in Julia is about her turning anyway. So you're like doing a slow burn to saying that people just want to get to the end. Like she isn't that important singularly. Um, it's so weird, the choices they're making with this. Like if it was a big star, you could do this slow build, but the whole point is this will make Julia the star. But whatever. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I I thought this was just me, Melissa, but like, I don't know if Pillman like just is, you know, they give him the rope and he figures it out for himself, but he just comes across like a big old dick when he talks about her, I feel. But what do I know? All right. I don't think that's only one but him. <laughs> I feel the same way. Um, okay. I'm looking elsewhere. There was a really nice Jade promo with the baddies. I think this act is money. Can we all agree on that? Um, yeah, Julia's, to be clear, that, you know, Julia's doing the absolute best she could possibly do, but I think she's doing good. Owen Hart qualifier. Don A. Martin, Ray Phoenix. Good Lord, began long today, right? Morning Holbert is different. Don A. Martin, Ray Phoenix. I thought this fucking ruled. My friend, the Oracle of Wrestling, did not, which. You get what you get. I mean, if you give it two stars, yes, two, yes, two stars, <laughs> which he tweeted one last night, which is funny. Um, cage match right now is at a, where are we at? I think it was higher. Yeah, 8.17. Chat, feel free to put your rating for this because, um, you know, I'm sure we all loved it, you know, for the most part. Um, I really miss seeing Ray Phoenix wrestle. I really, really missed it. He is so dynamic. And, like, Dante is extraordinary. What makes Dante special is, he can do very simple things in such a spectacular way that it's like absurd and breathtaking. Like he'll do like a springboard, um, a crossbody, sorry, and it will be like blow away just because how high he gets on it. But there is something particularly special about the way Ray Phoenix moves out there and the way he executes on bumps and on offense. And like, if you look at the Poison Rana, like. That that's a cool move, but in Phoenix hands taking it, it looks just absurd. Like it looks like death. So much so that honestly, the um the finish was like 
<laughs> like you kind of need something more ridiculous to finish a match like this. That's the one thing I would say. Um, I, I thought it was an absolute blast. I mean, it delivered on the kind of dream match tag athletically. Um, it was the best match on the show. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't really, I can't, I don't want to do like a rundown of what I did because honestly, I, I'm not a good move name guy and a lot of it's beyond my comprehension. But um, yeah, it was an absolute blast. He was Gurney match right. You could see Phoenix was filling that pace, but honestly, there's a charm to that. You know, I did like the few moments where he would do like, um, <clears throat> my bad. I did like the few moments where like Dante would uh, do something that was so absurd that Phoenix would just like stand and look at him like, God, kids these days, huh? What is, what is it with this? These young fucks and their flips, ridiculous. Okay. I I liked it very, very, very much. Great TV. The kind of style that I actually think they could kind of explore uh, more often. Um, because I just think it was, you know, it's the kind of thing, it's easy TV. You don't need a lot of story for this kind of thing. Ray Phoenix or Don A against other guys can give you this kind of matchup anytime. Maybe not to this degree. These two are kind of on their own island, but it's an interesting addition to Don, especially in this time slot. They were in the famed death slot that we often talk about and worry about. And I do think is a thing, but luckily for them, they were following the House of Black segment. So, Owen Hart uh, Foundation bracket. We have the men's bracket. I know that Crokey Boy, I believe it was earlier. Yes, it was. Asked a uh, very Oracle is the Micah Richards of the late night green. Oh my God, that can mean so many things. So, we have Ray Phoenix versus Kyle O'Reilly, which obviously I did not predict because I thought Bud Matt was going to be in the Owen. Sam Jones listen to Joe. I just circle back to that. Darby and Jeff, we predicted. Adam Cole and Dax, we predicted. So that's all good. The Joker. I want to get into this more on Patreon. Right now, I think it will be a big enough deal that they beat Joe. I think that part's I'm kind of bullish on, honestly. I don't think you put Joe opposite a mystery man only for it to be a guy who is not like at least comparable in stature to Samoa Joe. My guess is Miro or Claudio Castagnoli whatever his name's going to be, CSRO, whatever the fuck. I don't know. I'm assuming the Joker will go to the final of this tournament, is my guess. Because Ray and Kyle, I do not believe they're going to go to the final. I actually think there's a good chance Kyle wins that match. The other side of things, it all depends on whether the Joker's a babyface or a heel, right? So you have, if it's Claudio as a babyface, which would be my personal preference, and I'll get into this in a minute, but I really have a kind of, Belief on it's a strong take on it. <coughs> My bad. Sorry, guys. Great Britain and all that, you know, summer. Jeff Hardy and Darby. Darby should win. Cole and Dax. I would love for Dax to win. Adam Cole is winning. So you end up with a pick between the two guys that I've circled for many, many months ago, which is Cole and Darby. If it's Claudio. You can do Cole and Claudio in the final. There's a certain portion of online fans that would particularly like that for the, the gaming reasons, which is fun, but also it's a cool matchup, right? If it's Miro, you absolutely do Darby and Miro in the TNT. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter a year from their TNT title match. What I will say, and people can disagree with this, and this is almost certainly me talking myself into it because I love the guy. I actually think he is a very fitting Owen winner, is Claudio. Um, I think that dude, there's a, there's a, there's a really neat element to who he's been in wrestling and how selfless he's been 
and how reliable he's been and how beloved he is and all the stories of his silly jokes and all of his his light-hearted nature, I think it would be something very fitting and, and kind of, uh, you know, something very uplifting about him getting this spot. I don't know if it will be him. Um, I don't know when he intends to come back to wrestling, but I personally mean that fucking rule. That's just me. Uh, you can always circle back in terms of beating Joe, the Ring of Honor television champ. You can always circle back into a title match and 50 50 them. I wouldn't do that necessarily, depending on the guy. But I just think um, the final's only at the pay per view, Dragon King, I believe. I just think Claudio genuinely, um, you know, I, I think he'd be a fabulous fit. And says, weren't there reports of TKs and high answers? I don't think so. There's a tweet from like 2011 where he talks about Ring of Honor sucking since they lost Claudio, I think, which was very funny. But you may have seen those. I don't know. I'm not, not always update on that stuff. It could be Gargano. Um, I would rather it not be in this particular spot, but it could be. Okay. Miro or Claudio are both great picks. I think, you know, I, I said last night on Twitter it could be a New Japan guy, but, like, I don't actually know who fits the bill for that at all. So, like, the obvious name would be Ishii, and he just did a qualifier, so it isn't him. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, Shingo is an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I do get this, like, XWWE winning the RN. I just think Claudio is such a, like, beloved figure that I could oversee. I could overlook it, but I get you. I do get you. All right, there was a uh, hilarious Darby and Sting promo in which they sounded actively bored, talking about Jeff Hardy, which, fair, been there. But, um... But yeah, I, this was hilarious. Seek this out just for comedic reasons. I don't know why this was on TV, but God bless. All right. Thunder Rosa, come out for a promo, live promo. I liked Thunder Rosa's promo. I like they gave her the time to do this promo. There is a big part of me that thinks it is a better fit for a sit-down with a Jim Ross. But ultimately, I liked her promo, which came across well. I like Serena Deeb's promo much less. Um, I thought Serena looked very nervous. She seemed pretty shaky out there. I don't think it helped that when she was talking, um, Rosa was like <laughs> like repeating back to her the middle of her sentence and shit. I don't mean that helped her. She seemed very unsure of herself. Um, I did not think it was a particularly strong segment, the face-to-face part. What I will say, though, and, I, and this is I like important, I think this was a necessary segment. Um, I thought it was a positive to get the two women in the title program out there to do a live promo. So I'm not going to be like dismissive of that. I think this was actually very positive for the division and to give the title match a real, you know, some actual meat to it, not on the last week of the build. However, it could have been better with just a little bit of a tighter understanding of what um, Serena was actually going to say or what you wanted her to say. She, to me, was very much um, slightly scatterbrained on the microphone. I actually thought it was was fine. I didn't think it was like a... I saw somebody say it was terrible. I didn't think it was terrible at all. And I thought it was worthwhile. Um, and I agree with Paul, the live crowd, written it. So I, I, ultimately, I think it's a positive because they did it. And, it, you know, I thought Rosa was good. I just... And this is going to sound backhanded, but I hope it comes across. I wish that had done this segment with someone 
who's slightly more dynamic as a television personality than Serena Deeb. And I think Serena has worked on it and got better at it. I said that on Retire the Rankings, and I believe it. But I do, you know, there are certain limitations to her as like a television act. And I don't think she was ready to do this live promo to the degree they wanted her to be. Now, when I say ready, she's a veteran, so whatever. Not everyone can do everything. One of my favorites is Roddy Strong. He'd have sucked in this role too. But um, maybe, you know, be a little bit tighter on what talent's doing what. That's all. Okay. The woman's joker. That was another part of Croaky Boy's question. Thanks for reminding me, Reese. I would assume, honestly, because I believe some of the top Japanese talent is in America for that, for this next couple of weeks. I think Maki Ito is very much on the board, to be totally honest with you guys. That would be my guess. Um, so there you go. Okay. There was another question here. My apologies. I missed it. All right. I'll, I'll catch up. Guys, again, I'm going to do a like, purely Q&A on Patreon after this, right? Um, okay. Rosa segment. John Silver did a premier wrestling punk next week. That should be a blast. Main event. Deonna Prazo versus Mercedes Martinez for the Ring of Honor World Woman Style. Quick thing. I'm sorry. I know there's extra stuff with, with Justin. I think Bobby Cruz is the fucking man. He needs to be the full-time ring announcer for the territory. I don't care. I'm being, I, I'm not even... Even that other stuff, if I even put that aside, I think that's, I think that's the case. He's, I think he's fucking great, and he has been for years, and he, I had to make a note of it. Um, I love having him for these matches. Okay. I see he looks like the pre-sale for Bindor is selling out quick. Don't, uh, it doesn't surprise me. So here's the thing with this. I thought Deonna's presentation came across awesome in this setting. My concerns with this match, and I... This is where I kind of... I kind of wonder about what this was, like, here for. My concerns with this match that I stressed on Purist, especially, if you go to the last stretch of that podcast, I talked about it in pretty good detail. I had some concerns about them being in the main event here that are both in and out of their hands. So, firstly, the lack of television exposure for Mercedes as the AEW half of this match limits it, okay? Deonna had got that reaction of, like, it's cool she's here, but they don't, like, care because she's not on the show, right? It's fine. <clears throat> so, that limits it. But my big concern with this was I think Deonna is great, and I've been very, very you know high on her in ring. I think she's a very smart wrestler. She is not immediately eye-catching or explosive or dynamic in a way that I felt she would need to be to overcome those aforementioned limitations. And I thought that actually became, you know, quite apparent. That is not a wild criticism or anything like that. I think they could have done with a little bit more time, quite frankly, especially... But I will say, um, if you've got 10 minutes, I think Deonna in terms of structure, probably could have done a better job of switching up her style. Um, they wrestled the first act of this match, the first third of it, with in a, in a sense they had 20 minutes, and they didn't. So I just, I think that was a mistake. I think they could have, they could have upped the intensity on that first bit, they may have got them, but instead they kind of worked a very steady pace, and I just don't think they had time to make that work. Um I want to stress, I don't think the match was, like, bad. 
unfortunately, I didn't think it was particularly good. Um, I love Mercedes Martinez, and I think the world of Diona. I seem to have a, a really good match on Impact TV, so I know they can do it. I didn't think this was particularly good, unfortunately. And I, and I sincerely wish that wasn't the case. Um, but, I'm, I'm, you know, just being honest, I, I didn't think it was particularly good, which is a shame. Um, I think there again, I want to stress, there were things hindering them. Going on after a Phoenix-Dante match is absurd. All the things I talked about elsewhere that I knew would be problems, but I also don't think it was their best night. I don't, I don't think it was terrible. It was to me, it was a two and a half star match. Whatever you know, it was it was solid. I would I couldn't say I thought it was particularly good. Unfortunately, uh, our friend the Oracle of Wrestling gave it three stars. He liked it more than I did. I think um, cage match. What have we got here? We got cage match was awful. I want it. Good lord. Cage match is all the way down at a, a uh, while I'm doing this chat. Give me your rating out of 10. Maybe I'm being harsh. I don't know. Cage match is at a 4.72. They didn't like it very much, but you get what you get. I'm intrigued, chat. What did you think of it? And again, I thought it was fine. I just, I want it to bear because I think they can, I know they can do it. I've seen them literally do it, you know? Um, I love the range of star ratings. Six seems to be the kind of consensus. Yeah, this is the thing. Is like, and this is why I made that Joe Suzuki comparison, and I know it sounded dumb, but what I meant was like with Diana, there's like this. Okay, she's a big deal outside of AEW, so you get that certain level of intrigue. But poor Mercedes isn't a big deal in AEW, you know. Like, and it's not her fault. She just she came in, she lost a couple of times far as I remember, and she's kind of just been, you know, out since she turned babyface, so I just thought it was a mistake putting it there, I think they undercut the women by putting them in the main event, personally, I, I, and that's not me doing hindsight, I said that before, that was my read on it, I don't think it was a disaster, I don't think there's anything where you need to get really mad, um, it was where it was, you know, and I think it could have been helped by a different placement, but nonetheless, I thought Mercedes was going to win, she is the signed talent. She's. I'm very happy for her to get the main event title win on a major TV show. That's awesome. So good for Mercedes. She's a legend. And, um, you know, I I didn't dislike it. So there you go. All right. Overall, Dynamite. Chat, feel free to put your, your rating here for Dynamite as a whole. Me personally, I would be in the 6.5 to 7 range. I thought on paper it looked slightly underwhelming, slightly thin. Um, and I thought ultimately it was about what I expected it to be. I thought everything was about in the rain, the ballpark of what I expected. Um, and that made for a solid, enjoyable weekly wrestling show. But for Dynamite, I think a pretty clear step down from their recent highs. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think, you know, this isn't a case of what I mean by that is. This isn't a case of a stacked lineup that underdelivered. It's a fine middling lineup that came in about where you'd expect. I enjoyed the show, um, which is the key. I think it did a nice job of advancing some key angles. It was the most missable dynamite we've had in a while, but that says more to me about dynamite for the last two months than actual show itself. So I had fun watching it. Papa Holbert had fun watching it too. Um, a good weekly wrestling show, but not the blow-away dynamites we've got for the last couple of months, which I pointed out at the time. I think they've been in rare form. So you get what you get, I suppose. Okay, folks, here's the deal. 
if you are a patron to the Late Night Green, if you're a grinner, go to latenightgrin.com and when this ends, I'm going to get the link up as soon as I can, probably five minutes. If you're not a grinner, you could become one. Just one dollar, okay? There are no tears, just grins. One dollar gets you in, it gets you access to everything we do. Um, I'm going to go there now and do like Q&A for the next maybe 15 minutes to an hour. <clears throat> it can be about dynamite, about whatever. We're going to get more detail of kind of just being like broad than just about the show itself because apparently I went an hour and 12 minutes talking about the show on my own, which is kind of embarrassing, but we'll forget about that. So I'm going to do a Q&A show or a dynamite post-show, post-show over on latenightgrin.com. Please do join me because if you don't join me, I'm going to be fucked because it's a Q&A show and I need the questions to do the, the answers. So... That'd be very much appreciated. I hope you've enjoyed this show. I'll be back on this channel tonight on the, the free Late Night Grim platform with Bobby doing Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash predictions, preview, all that good stuff, um, which is basically fed dead this week. So, And the video's already up, so you can go and like that and all that stuff. Speaking of such, do like this if you thought it was good. Uh, apparently that helps. Um, okay. Appreciate you guys. Again, latenightgrim.com. I'm going to put the link up in the next five minutes. Please do join me. Uh, it'll be very informal and Q&A fashion about Dynamite, AEW, whatever you want to talk about. I'll try my best to answer it. But in the meantime, enjoy this outro, folks. Oh, wow. See you at latenightgrin.com. Keep grinning.